This is Broken Pledge, a special project of the Columbus Dispatch. It is a story about fraternity hazing and the life and death of Colin Wyant, an 18-year-old student at Ohio University. I am Sheridan Hendricks. As you listen to this special project, please consider supporting investigative journalism like this by visiting dispatch.com slash subscribe. A listener note, the details below of the death of Colin Wyant and the aftermath come from statements made by Sigma Pi members that were recorded in documents part of an Ohio University investigation. Those documents were obtained by the dispatch through a source close to the investigation. Ohio University officials confirmed many of the details contained in those documents during interviews with dispatch reporters. None of the Sigma Pi members named below agreed to talk to the dispatch. In the hours after Colin Wyant died, his brothers at Sigma Pi were distraught. But they were also beginning to plan for what was to come. They knew Ohio University officials would be involved. There would be significant media attention. When the news hit the brothers on November 12th, fraternity president Elijah Wahib was the first to hear it. Colin was dead, police told him. Elijah started waking some of the 15 or so brothers that lived at the Sigma Pi house. Then he started running to homes across campus to wake the other brothers, living in other places. One of the Sigma Pi elders, Charlie Winovich, a senior at Ohio University, was having a hard time processing the news. He was devastated. Charlie had been working at the Crystal, an uptown Athens bar Colin had been in just hours before he died a couple blocks away. Charlie saw him, but they didn't talk. Colin had been Charlie's favorite pledge. He was one of the brothers who suggested that Colin should get to go on the fraternity's formal in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Colin was always smiling, never complained, always did what was asked. Charlie also thought that Colin was really smart. When Colin was accused of rape by a female student, it was Charlie who counseled him, told him he was innocent until proven guilty. And when the rest of the brothers and some of the pledges heard the news about Colin's death, they all went to Charlie's apartment. Charlie said the men gathered, consoled each other, and cried. After the news of Colin's death started to settle in, Elijah contacted Ohio University's liaison for Greek life. News quickly spread among Ohio University's administration, including Dr. Jenny Hall-Jones, the dean of students. Dr. Hall-Jones reached out to Elijah and said the university was there for support. Around 10 a.m., or roughly seven hours after Colin was pronounced dead, Elijah and the other student leaders of Sigma Pi called a meeting. Elijah said to OU investigators he wanted to bring everyone together to offer help and healing. The men had done something similar when a former brother had taken his own life in February. But the meeting was more than just coming together. A narrative that Colin had been doing other drugs on his own that night emerged. Rumors began to swirl all over campus. Some of what Brindley, Colin's longtime girlfriend, and his mom Kathleen had learned about Colin's death and the hazing surrounding his pledge class had also made its way to Dr. Hall-Jones. Specifically, one of Colin's friends had told their parents that Colin was experimenting with Xanax. 
The mom said that pledges were being required to hold drugs for older members. On November 13th, the day after Colin died, the university sent Sigma Pi a letter telling its members to cease and desist all activities and communication with each other. Ohio University has received information which alleges that Sigma Pi has engaged in conduct that puts the health and safety of its members at risk and is not in compliance with the behavioral expectations set out in the Student Code of Conduct, the letter stated. The university demanded that the fraternity turn over a list of all active members, pledges, and former pledges from the most recent class. They had until Thursday, November 15th to turn over the list. They were also told that they could be called before the university to answer questions of misconduct, dangerous conduct in particular. The letter angered the members of Sigma Pi. It changed the narrative for them. News reporters were asking questions about hazing. The brothers were suddenly in defense mode. Their reputations, and that of Sigma Pi, were on the line. And maybe more. The police were investigating. The next day, on November 14th, the 911 call made by Sigma Pi member Corbin Gustafson was made public in media reports. Corbin said Colin had been drinking. He made no mention of the whippets during the call. Now, at least publicly and around campus, it was becoming an accepted premise that Colin was drinking and had been doing drugs right before he died. But a coroner's report showed his blood alcohol concentration was .06, and the only drug found in his system was marijuana. Colin's death also triggered something else. The nearly month-long investigation into the sexual assault allegations against Colin was closed by the university after Colin died. Police would not comment on why they closed the investigation or if there were criminal charges pending. But the investigation by the university into Sigma Pi was just beginning. On November 15th at 2.02 p.m., Elijah emailed a list of the active Sigma Pi members and pledges. On that list, he included Colin as an active pledge and next to his name, wrote, deceased. The fact that Colin wasn't named as a former pledge on that list would become significant. Aiden Wyatt walked around the room at his brother's viewing, looking for certain people. His friends. Comfort. He kept walking. He was near his brother's casket for a while, but it was all just too much. Part of him wished he could just walk out. Why didn't Colin walk out, Aiden said to himself. Why didn't he just walk away from Sigma Pi for good? How could Colin not see this coming? Colin had told him he was scared, that he had been brutalized. And now Aiden was forcing himself to go see his brother in a casket. For his viewing, the first day, that was like the first time that I cried since figuring out. And that, that was like right when I walked in to the room and I saw his casket, that's when I just kind of, I just fell to the ground and just started, I mean, I couldn't, that's when like the first time it kind of hit me that like he actually was like passed away. And so that like kind of took me a while um, to go up to the casket and stuff like that. The secrets he kept also were weighing on Aiden. Maybe he could have stopped it. Saved Colin. Aiden had deleted most of his social media accounts. He avoided the news. He wouldn't even turn on a radio. 
No conversations with friends about how Colin died. He would barely even talk to his parents about it. It was overwhelming. But it didn't feel like the right time to tell his parents the things Colin had told him. It was hard to process it all. I wanted to tell other people, but like, I didn't know, like, I don't know. I never even, like, tried to until I had to because I felt, like, a lot of guilt from his passing and, like, how it was kind of, like, my fault because I knew that he was, like, getting hazed and, like, how he was, like, in trouble and I didn't tell anyone. Aiden didn't want to know how Colin died. He ran out of the room whenever someone started to talk about it. My reaction was I felt bad for him. I felt bad that he had to... He was living with that. And I felt bad that he had to he had to carry that burden. Yeah, that was my whole thing was like, God, you cannot feel that way or carry that. Mm-hmm. Like I just I know how much Aiden loved Colin. And I knew that would be the worst thing that could happen to Aiden if he felt like he had to carry the burden for Colin's death. Colin Lewis Wyant was laid to rest on Saturday, November seventeenth. A few brothers from Sigma Pi went through the receiving line. Despite the cease and desist letter, they received permission from Ohio University to attend the funeral. The university had reached out to the Wyant family to make sure it was okay. The men of Sigma Pi didn't say much to the family. They offered respectful condolences. The Wyants remarked to each other after the visiting hours that it was nice and respectful for some of them to make the trip and see Colin. They barely knew him, Kathleen thought. They had only been with him three months, and they were here. The funeral service was at St. Charles, the high school that Colin had graduated from six months earlier. His oldest brother, Austin, gave a powerful eulogy about brotherhood. And Colin's electric smile. His generous and big heart. Then came a scene for which the family was completely unprepared for. Outside, Colin's friends from high school had organized an extraordinary honor for him. The young men who had gone to high school with Colin were wearing their school blazers. One by one, the few hundred mourners stepped to the edge of the drive. The tips of their shiny Oxford and Derby shoes touched the cement curb, and they waited. The black Cadillac carrying Colin's body slowly made its way along the lane winding through campus, passing the teens one by one. Kathleen recorded the video from the inside of the Wyant's car, which followed directly behind the hearse. Ohio University's investigation of Sigma Pi and Colin's death began on December 6, 2018. The university's investigator, Mary-Kate Kennedy, began by interviewing some of the senior-most members of Sigma Pi that day, including Elijah and Charlie. At this point, the narrative had shifted to suggest that Colin was on multiple drugs the night he died, that he was a rapist who likely would not have been allowed to return, or if he did come back, he would have had to go through the pledging process all over again. Charlie said the night Colin died, he must have, quote, went back to the dorm and got whatever he was on, because you can't die from a whippet. Charlie was angry, 
He seemed angry at everyone. I didn't kill this kid, he said. None of the people in my house killed this kid, and I'm mad at the school. Colin was a big boy, and he made multiple bad decisions. There's no way in hell that we are going to take the axe for some stupid people. I feel bad for the people that were there. I'm worried about them. It's hard to even look at them, and I try to be nice to them, but they literally let someone die, and it's all turned back on this chapter. Charlie refused to talk to the university's investigator about any of the pledging activities or hazing of pledges. Elijah told the investigators that Colin had been somewhat estranged from Sigma Pi since the sexual assault allegation. Elijah said he had seen Colin only once or twice since suspending him. He said he didn't know how many times Colin had hung out at 45 Mill Street, the fraternity's off-campus house, since the suspension. Elijah suggested that even though he grasped the seriousness of the allegation, Colin had been naive. Colin, quote, seemed ignorant to the fact that things were going to be okay. Elijah said that if Colin had lived, he would have been dropped immediately from the fraternity because he did whippets in the house. Corbin Gustafson said in his statement to the investigator that Colin did not appear drunk or close to intoxicated before he and the other pledges started doing whippets. Corbin said he told the 911 dispatcher that Colin had too much to drink because he never saw anyone react to a whippet like that. Corbin also said that during that 911 call, when he offered to move Colin outside, away from the scene where it was clear the men were doing whippets, it was because he thought emergency personnel could get to him quicker. In addition to hearing details of Colin's death, the investigators started to hear alarming stories of hazing within Sigma Pi. Pledges said they had been punched. They had been screamed at with the members inches from their face. The members had punched the walls behind the pledges as they screamed. They had been forced to exercise to exhaustion, had hot sauce poured on them, had to eat onions, locked in dark rooms for long periods of time, eggs thrown at them. One pledge talked about the tackle football game Colin had told Aiden about. The pledge said that if he didn't play in the game, he knew there would be consequences. While playing the game, the pledge slipped and fell, striking his head on the door jam. He had to go to the hospital, and doctors put eight staples in his head to close the wound. Another pledge told the investigator that pledges were afraid, and they feared telling anyone because they didn't want to get in trouble. The Wines just wanted the holidays behind them. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's Day came and went. The family was spending more time talking to lawyers about hazing and Colin than focusing on the holidays. And Aiden was spiraling. The loss of his best friend and the secrets he was keeping felt like all the weight was falling on him, sending him down. Well, no. Actually, the first time I told it to someone was uh, our lawyer. And then... I told my mom, and that's about it, and then my oldest brother. Telling the family's attorney what he knew gave Aiden the courage to push and tell Kathleen and Wade. Parents can often tell when there's something going on with their children, but Aiden was so distant they wanted to give him his space. And when Aiden came to them, they weren't surprised. I think he felt relieved when we let him know that that's not how it is. Right. That he's not liable. 
he's not responsible for Colin's death. I think he needed to hear that from us. He definitely did. And from his brother, Austin. I mean, we knocked that out pretty quickly with him because he's at a fragile state anyway. And honestly, again, we never, that didn't even cross our minds immediately. First thing was, he needs to get this out because he's been carrying it. Aiden said he felt better. First couple of times, it was like, like, yeah, like, I know, like, didn't do anything wrong. I didn't really think about it. But, like, I mean, now, I'm, like, I started to realize that, like, I mean, there was really nothing I really, like, could have done. But, like, yeah, like, the first couple of times, I, I would just, like, when they told me, like, on the outside looking, I'd be like, yeah, 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 like, I know. But on the inside, I'd be like, I mean, but there was. The Wyants were preparing a lawsuit. They wanted answers, and also, they wanted justice. They had heard the devastating rumors. That Colin was doing drugs. That he was depressed about things. That Sigma Pi had nothing to do with his death. It had been three months since Colin had died. It was all a lot to take. Their attorneys kept telling Wade and Kathleen to wait for the complete coroner's report. That report included the toxicology test results. That test would answer many questions, and probably amplify others. Kathleen and Wade were told that the report was done in early February. It refuted all the rumors that Colin had other drugs in his system, that he was drunk. He had some traces of marijuana. But the substance in his system that caused his death was nitrous oxide from the canister he had injected into his lungs. The coroner ruled Colin choked to death because of the whippet he inhaled. No Xanax, no cocaine, no heroin, no Adderall. We got the autopsy back February 13th. So when we got it back, we called a family meeting with all the kids and said, okay, guys, we got it back. And we're going to tell you about how Colin died. You know, what, and Aiden said, no, 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 I don't, I don't want this. I don't want in this. I don't, I don't want to hear this. So he went upstairs. He wouldn't listen. And he never would let us tell him what he died, how he died. I don't know when Aiden found out, but I know for months he didn't know. And I kept saying to him, I have to tell you how Colin died. I think it's going to make you feel better. This is before I knew. I think before I knew what he knew. I'm not certain, though. Okay. But I kept saying, I I really need you to know. And he's like, no. I said, it's on the news. Everyone's going to know tomorrow at school. Everyone's going to know tomorrow at school. This is going to break tomorrow morning. And everyone's going to know how he died. And you should know this. A few days later, the family filed a lawsuit against the Sigma Pi chapter at Ohio University and the Sigma Pi National Fraternity based in Nashville, Tennessee. The lawsuit accused Sigma Pi of hazing Colin and causing his death. It accused the national organization of not educating its chapter enough on hazing and the dangers of hazing. Sigma Pi had an obligation to protect Colin, the lawsuit says. Sigma Pi has responded in court documents that it was not aware of any hazing and that Colin had been suspended from pledge activities. It has denied any negligence. Ohio University's investigation of Sigma Pi lasted three months. The university's investigator, Mary Kate Kennedy, 
documented 26 scheduled interviews with 21 different people, according to documents obtained by the dispatch. Those interviewed included the highest-ranking members of Sigma Pi at the OU chapter, Colin's friends, pledges, and dorm roommate. The last interview was on March 12, 2018, with a Sigma Pi pledge. It was arguably one of the most significant interviews during the three-month investigation. The pledge confirmed many of the hazing incidents mentioned by other current and former pledges. He said that hazing was common, as was alcohol consumption. All of the brutal incidents that had been rumored were true. Belting, hot sauce, eggs being thrown. Pledges were hit and kicked, he said. But the pledge chalked it up to normal pledging. He told the investigator that he assumed that all fraternities were the same or worse when it came to hazing. Six days later, the university notified Sigma Pi chapter president Elijah Wahib in writing that his fraternity was facing 11 violations of the university's student code of conduct. Five of those charges were hazing violations, including intentionally or recklessly endangering the mental, physical, or emotional health and or safety of a student. The university also used the word forced several times. It found forced food consumption, exercises, and arguably the most damning, forced alcohol consumption. The university's letter said that Sigma Pi faced permanent expulsion. OU's academic guidelines outlined a process for Elijah and Sigma Pi to appeal the findings. He could also request a hearing with the Student Conduct Board, where he could ask witnesses interviewed by the university about their statements. Elijah decided to do both. In April, he filed a formal written appeal. In it, Elijah wrote that the impending penalties were, quote, extraordinarily disproportionate to the violations. He added, the hearing board's findings focus on a number of seriously important issues facing college students alcohol use, drug use, and hazing. However, merely revoking recognition of a single fraternity chapter forever will serve no purpose in raising awareness of these issues. In assisting college students on how to combat and prevent these abuses, and in effectuating meaningful change on the campus of Ohio University. Elijah wanted Sigma Pi to be part of the solution, not the problem. And finally, he argued, that Sigma Pi should not be held responsible for Colin's death because, quote, he was not injured by any of the pledge activities. On the final episode of Broken Pledge... Uh, Mr. Andrasak, if I were you, I would not answer any questions or plead the fifth. Well, he... I'd hang up the phone. Yeah, I have no comment. In a final desperate act to save their fraternity, the brothers of Sigma Pi try to reinforce their code of silence in front of an Ohio University student conduct board. If you want to learn more about Colin, see family photos, and photos of Sigma Pi's Ohio University chapter, please visit dispatch.com slash broken pledge. Until next time, I am Sheridan Hendricks.